Welcome back to another episode of the Brainy Bunch podcast. I'm Tom and I'm here with my co-host Jen. Hey everyone. We're excited to dive into another fascinating topic today. In this episode, we'll be discussing a groundbreaking paper titled Reasoning in Large Language Models Through Symbolic Math Word Problems. This paper was featured in the findings of ACL 2023 conference and was Written by Vedant Gaur from Aragon High School and Nakunj Sanchi from Google Research. New York. That's right. Jen. This research addresses an important question regarding the reasoning abilities of large language models, LLMs, which have become incredibly powerful tools in natural language processing, NLP, while LLMs can excel at various NLP tasks. Their ability to reason has remained unclear until now. Absolutely. Tom, the authors of this paper focus on studying reasoning in math word problems. MWPs. By examining symbolic versions of numeric problems symbolic expressions offer concise explanations. For numeric answers. Making them a great tool to evaluate the reasoning capabilities of LLMs. And one interesting finding from this research is that GPT-3's DaVinci 002 model already demonstrates good zero-shot accuracy on symbolic MWPs. This means that the model can generate both numeric answers and their corresponding symbolic explanations with high accuracy. That's impressive. But it doesn't stop there. The authors take it a step further by proposing a self-prompting approach that encourages the symbolic reasoning to align with the numeric answer. This not only improves the alignment but also enhances the symbolic accuracy, surpassing both numeric and symbolic accuracies achieved without self-prompting. It's amazing how this self-prompting technique has an ensembling effect on the model's performance. And as we all know, Interpretability is key when it comes to trusting AI models. The ability to provide concise and verifiable reasoning is crucial for making these large language models more transparent and trustworthy. Absolutely. Tom, by leveraging symbolic math word problems, this research opens up new possibilities for using LLMs in reasoning tasks and brings us closer to understanding their capabilities in a more nuanced way. Definitely. Jen, I'm excited to dive deeper into the details of this research and discuss how it can impact the future of NLP and AI. So, get ready for an enlightening and thought-provoking conversation on reasoning in large language. Models through symbolic math word problems. Stay tuned for the rest of the episode. And as always, Thank you for joining us on the Brainy Bunch podcast. See you in the next episode. Background music playing. Hey there, podcast listeners. We have a very special sponsor for today's episode. That's right. Tom, get ready to embark on a magical journey with Fairy Smoke Sparkle Co. Making your dreams come true with magical smoke since 2020. Are you tired of ordinary smoke that just lingers in the air? 
Well, look no further. Fairy Smoke Sparkle Co. has got you covered. Picture this. Imagine creating an entire fantasy world just by lighting up some mystical smoke. It's like having your own personal portable genie from a lamp, but way more sparkly. And guess what? These enchanting clouds of shimmering mist can do it all. From granting secret wishes to transforming grumpy bosses into unicorns. Or turning broccoli into ice cream sundaes without any calories. Absolutely mind-blowing stuff. Jen. I mean who wouldn't want unicorn Mondays and ice cream Wednesdays? But wait. You're probably thinking how does one control such incredible power? Fairy Smoke Sparkle Co.'s Jingle Plays. Both. Singing. Just give them a ring and hear them sing their tune. Fairy Smoke Sparkle Co. Will make your dreams bloom. Magical mist that grants wishes so fine. With sparkle in the air. Life becomes divine. Tom. Excitedly. So don't miss out on this once in a lifetime opportunity to turn everyday life into an extraordinary fairy tale. Jen. Whispering dramatically. And for our avid podcast listeners only. If you call now and say I'm dreaming big. You'll receive not just one but two bottles of fairy smoke at half price. Tom. Raising his eyebrows. Now that's what I call a deal you can't resist. So go ahead. Let your dreams take flight with Fairy Smoke Sparkle Co. Making your dreams come true with magical smoke since 2020. And now, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Catch you later, dreamers. Fade out. Background music fades out. Hi there. And welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And with me is the brilliant Jen. Today, we have an exciting topic to discuss, revisiting deformable convolution for depth completion. Now, I know it might sound complex. But don't worry, we'll break it down for you in an intuitive way. That's right. Tom, depth completion is the process of generating high-quality dense depth maps from sparse ones. This has become crucial in various real-world applications like robotics, autonomous driving, and 3D mapping. The challenge lies in the fact that existing depth sensors produce incomplete and sparse depth maps. Absolutely. Jen. So previous approaches to depth completion have used RGB images as guidance and employed iterative. Spatial propagation techniques to refine the estimated coarse depth maps. However, these methods often require several iterations and suffer from a fixed receptive field that may include irrelevant and useless information. That's where deformable convolution comes into play. In this paper, the authors propose a novel architecture that leverages deformable kernel convolution as a single-pass refinement module. They show through empirical evidence that this approach outperforms previous methods. Exactly. The authors also systematically investigate different strategies for utilizing deformable convolution for depth completion. They find that deformable convolution should be applied on estimated depth maps with a relatively high density for better performance. And here's something interesting. 
Their model achieves state-of-the-art level performance in both accuracy and inference speed on the KITTI dataset, which is widely used for evaluating depth completion algorithms. Wow, that's impressive. So how does their architecture work exactly? Great question. The authors first generate a coarse depth map using a backbone model that consists of two branches. One for color-dominant information and the other for depth-dominant information. Then, they pass this coarse depth map through their deformable refinement module, which uses deformable convolution to improve the quality of the depth map. Ah, I see. So they essentially refine the coarse depth map by sampling points from it and adjusting their weights and offsets using deformable convolution. That's right. And the cool thing is that their refinement module only requires a single pass. Unlike previous methods that rely on multiple iterations, this not only improves performance but also speeds up the inference process. Fascinating. So, what are their main contributions? Well, first, they conduct a comprehensive study on deformable convolution for depth completion which promotes a deeper understanding of this technique within the research community. Second, they propose an efficient architecture that achieves competitive state-of-the-art performance while using less inference time. And finally, they surpass prior work by a clear margin on benchmark datasets like KITTI. Amazing work. It's great to see advancements in depth completion techniques. This will undoubtedly have a significant impact on various fields like robotics and autonomous driving. Absolutely. And if you want to explore more about their approach or try it out yourself, you can find their code on GitHub at https github.com slash slash red Thank you for joining us today as we discussed revisiting deformable convolution for depth. Completion. We hope you found this topic informative and intuitive. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes from our podcast. That's right. Tom, we'll be back soon with another fascinating topic to dive into. Until then, keep learning and exploring new frontiers in technology. Take care. Background music fades in. End of episode. Upbeat jingle playing. Hey, podcast listeners. Have you ever wondered what happens to all those dreams that slip away during the night? Well, wonder no more. Introducing Pixie Dust Collectors, we capture dreams. That's right. Jen, our friendly team of dream hunters are equipped with state-of-the-art nets and jars to capture those elusive dreams. Are you dreaming about becoming a world-renowned chef? Or maybe you want to be a superhero? With our pixie dust collectors, your dreams are just within reach. Excitedly. Hey, picture this. Fluffy pancakes floating in the air as you whip up culinary masterpieces like Gordon. Ramsay on steroids. Laughing. And imagine leaping tall buildings in a single bound while sporting spandex that accentuates all the right places. Pow! But wait, there's more. 
Our patented pixie dust extractor can turn any captured dream into a fizzy potion that'll make your taste buds dance and your imagination soar. Just imagine sipping on Dreamer Dan's dynamic delight or Sweet Sarah's sensational surprise. It's like drinking creativity straight from the source. So why complain about not being able to catch your wildest aspirations when we can do it for you? Call now and receive our special bonus, an autographed photo of Fairy Fiona herself. Jen Singsong voiceover style. Offer valid only for actual humans who believe in magic. Fairies not responsible for extreme bursts of mojo or sudden transformation into unicorns. Giggles. Comical music fading out. Tom and Jen together. Pixie dust collectors, where dreams come true. Sorter. Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host Jen. How are you doing today? Jen? Hi Tom. I'm doing great. I'm really excited about today's topic. It's all about preprints in the field of computer science and how they impact the academic community. Absolutely. Preprints have become increasingly popular among researchers who want to share their findings as quickly as possible. But there's been a lot of debate around their credibility and whether they actually get printed in peer-reviewed journals. Today, we're going to dive deep into a fascinating case study that sheds light on these issues. That's right, Tom. The paper we'll be discussing is titled How Many Preprints Have Actually Been Printed and Why? A Case Study of Computer Science Preprints on Archive. It was authored by Zhaoleng Lin, Yao Yu, Yu Zhou, Ziyang Zhou, and Xiaodong Shi from the School of Informatics at Xiamen University in China. This research provides valuable insights into the world of preprints by focusing specifically on Computer science preprints submitted to ArcServe between 2008 and 2017. The authors explore how many of these preprints eventually get published in peer-reviewed venues and analyze the factors that contribute to their acceptance for publication. Exactly. They tackle the challenge of mapping preprints to their final published versions, especially when titles or other modifications have changed. To overcome this issue, they introduce a semantics-based mapping method using bidirectional encoder representations from Transformers. BERT. This new method improves accuracy and allows for a comprehensive analysis. And boy did they analyze a lot. They examined 141,961 sampled preprints and conducted statistical analyses on various aspects such as published type, subject category, publication venue, submission stage, and citation count. They wanted to understand why certain preprints were accepted for publication while others weren't. Absolutely. Their findings highlight some interesting trends in the field of computer science. For example, they discovered that 66% of the sampled preprints were published under unchanged titles while 11% were published under different titles and with additional modifications. 
They also identified common features of published preprints, such as adequate revisions, multiple authorship, detailed abstracts and introductions, extensive references, and available source code. These insights provide valuable guidance for researchers looking to increase their chances of publication. It's such an intriguing study that not only sheds light on the publication process but also provides practical suggestions for academic writing in computer science. The author's use of BERT-based mapping method and their comprehensive analysis make this research truly unique. Absolutely. Jen. So if you're interested in learning more about how many preprints actually get printed and why, then you don't want to miss this episode. Stay tuned as we delve deeper into this fascinating case study and break down complex topics in an intuitive way. That's right. Tom, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. We'll be back after a short break with more insights from this thought-provoking paper. Commercial break. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, we're discussing a thought-provoking paper titled How Many Preprints Have Actually Been Printed In? Why? A case study of computer science preprints on ArcSiv. Our aim is to break down complex topics from this paper into easily digestible insights. That's right. And after the break, timestamp 0-100 background music fades out. Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And with me is my co-host Jen. Hey there, Tom. We have an interesting topic to dive into today. We'll be discussing a case study that explores the world of preprints in computer science. The paper is titled How Many Preprints Have Actually Been Printed and Why? A case study of computer science preprints on archive. That's right. Jen. Preprints have become increasingly important in academic communities. They allow researchers to share their work before formal submission to journals or conferences. However, the use of preprints has also sparked some controversy. Especially surrounding the claim of priority. Absolutely. In this paper. The authors conducted a case study specifically focused on computer science preprints submitted to Archive from 2008 to 2017. They wanted to quantify how many of these preprints actually ended up being published in peer-reviewed venues. And here's where it gets interesting. Among the published manuscripts, some were published under different titles and without an update to their preprints on Arxiv. Traditional fuzzy matching methods were unable to map these preprints to their final published versions. That's when the authors introduced a new approach using bidirectional encoder representations from transformers, BERT, which is a technique commonly used in natural language processing tasks. This semantics-based mapping method proved to be more effective in accurately matching preprints to their published versions. With this new mapping method and multiple data sources, the authors found that about 66% of all sampled preprints were published with unchanged titles. Another 11% were published with different titles but had undergone other modifications. 
To further analyze why certain preprints were accepted for publication while others weren't, the authors compared various features of the published timestamp 510 background music fades in. Absolutely fascinating. This case study really provides valuable insights into the world of preprints in computer science. It's such a fascinating subject. Tom, the author's use of advanced techniques like BERT and their comprehensive analysis shed light on the factors that contribute to publication and acceptance in the field of computer science. Definitely, Jen. And it's amazing how much information can be obtained from analyzing large data sets like the ones used in this study. It helps us understand how preprints impact the academic community and what researchers can do to improve their chances of getting published. Absolutely. Tom, so whether you're a researcher thinking about sharing your work as a preprint or someone interested in understanding the publication landscape, this case study offers valuable insights that can inform your decisions. Well said, Jen. And that concludes today's episode. We hope you enjoyed exploring the world of computer science preprints and learning from this thought-provoking case study. As always, thank you for tuning into our award-winning podcast. Yes, thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any future episodes. Until next time, keep exploring and expanding your knowledge. Sound effects, UFO landing. Hey, Jen, have you ever wondered what happens to all those rusty old spaceships floating around in the galaxy? Oh, absolutely. I'm dying to know what becomes of those clunkers. Well, wonder no more because we have a sponsor that will blow your mind, Rusty Spaceship Junkyard. Restoration Services. Jazzy elevator music starts playing. Wait a minute, Tom. Did you say Junkyard Restoration Services for spaceships? That's right, Jen. Risty Spaceship Junkyard Restoration Services specialize in bringing the wow back into old UFOs. They turn corroded saucers into shining stars again. But how do they do it? Do they use secret alien technology? Oh no. It's even better than that. They have an elite team of intergalactic mechanics who go above and beyond to make these spaceships. Sparkle like new. So if I had my own spaceship collecting space dust, squeaky voice interrupts. Rusty, owner of Rusty Spaceship Junkyard. Don't worry about collecting space dust anymore. Call 1-800-RUSTY-SS and our experts will come with their high-tech space cleaning equipment. Straight away, Tom chuckles. And just when you thought it couldn't get any better. Every restored spaceship comes with a complimentary air freshener that smells like cosmic cotton. Candy. Jen. Excitedly. Wow Zerma. Imagine flying through the Milky Way surrounded by sweet-smelling stardust. Rocket launching sound effect. Text on screen appears. Transform your rusty relic into a celestial cruiser. Call 1-800-RUSTY-SS. Jingle plays as commercial ends. Musical note Rusty Spaceship Junkyard Restoration Services, 
the only way to make your spaceship shine like it's from another galaxy musical note so folks whether you need your interstellar ride rejuvenated or just want to hear about more mind blowing sponsors stay tuned for the rest of our award winning podcast that's right remember 1-800 rusty ss and say goodbye to rust and hello to cosmic awesome theme music starts playing tom and jen welcome back listeners welcome back to another episode of our award winning podcast i'm tom and i'm jen and today we have a really interesting topic to dive into we'll be discussing a paper titled improving replay sample selection and storage for less forgetting in continual learning that's right jen the field of deep learning has made huge strides in computer vision but there is still one major challenge that researchers are trying to overcome catastrophic forgetting this refers to the phenomenon where deep learners struggle to adopt new knowledge while maintaining performance on previously learned tasks absolutely tom continual learning aims to address this problem by enabling deep learners to train on a series of tasks without forgetting what they've learned before one effective solution is replay which involves storing previous experiences in memory and replaying them during the training of new tasks however there is still room for improvement when it comes to selecting the most informative samples for storage and determining the optimal number of samples to be stored this paper dives deep into these issues by comparing the commonly used reservoir sampling method with alternative population strategies that's right tom the authors conducted extensive empirical evaluations and found that reservoir sampling can lead to greater forgetting compared to more strategic population approaches they also discuss two methods for determining the optimal number of stored samples based on a detailed analysis of significant eigenvectors and eigenvalues This research is fascinating because it not only sheds light on the shortcomings of current replay methods but also provides insights into how we can improve sample selection and storage for better performance in continual learning. Absolutely. Tom, and what's really impressive about this paper is how it tackles complex topics in an intuitive way. It breaks down concepts like reservoir sampling and population strategies in a manner that's easy for listeners like us to understand. That's true, Jen. It's important for research papers to not only provide valuable insights but also communicate those insights effectively, and this paper definitely does that. So, If you're interested in learning more about how we can improve replay sample selection and storage for less forgetting in continual learning, stay tuned for the rest of this episode. We'll be diving deeper into the paper and discussing its implications. That's right, Jen. It's going to be an informative and entertaining episode. So grab your favorite beverage. Sit back. and get ready to expand your knowledge on improving replay sample selection and storage for less forgetting in continual learning let's get started 
upbeat music playing hey folks welcome back to the award winning podcast with tom and jen and guess what today we have a sponsor that's out of this world that's right folks get ready for the pixie dust wranglers the only people crazy enough to wrangle pixie dust are you tired of your life lacking that extra magical sparkle look no further The Pixie Dust Wranglers are here to sprinkle some seriously quirky goodness into your everyday. Picture this. You're at an important meeting and things start getting dull. Poof. Asterisk watch as a Pixie Dust Wrangler enters the room, spinning like a tornado of whimsy and releasing clouds of sparkles. Exactly. Suddenly, everyone is covered in radiant pixie dust. It's impossible not to smile or giggle like a kid who just spotted Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. But wait, there's more. Not only do they offer spontaneous moments of enchantment but also professional services for every occasion. Need an unforgettable wedding entrance? They'll zipline in from above with glowing wings and confetti cannons. Hosting an office party? Invite the pixie dust wranglers who will juggle flaming torches while rainbows shoot out from their fingertips. Guaranteed fun or your money back. And remember folks, these wranglers are highly trained professionals. Don't try this at home unless you want your living room turned into Neverland. Tom and Jen burst into laughter. Oh boy Jen, I'm loving those ideas. Where else can we sprinkle some pixie dust? Well, Tom, how about those late-night munchies cravings? Tom, excitedly, yes, you know what they say, sprinkling pixie dust on junk food makes it magically healthy. Ish. All right, folks, head on over to the Pixie Dust Wranglers website and use the promo code PODCASTMAGIC for a free jar of their famous edible pixie sparkles. So remember. When life needs an extra pinch of weirdness and wonder, call on the pixie dust wranglers. Because who needs a cat meme when you can have flying glitter? That's right. Join us next time as we dive into the world of underwater knitting. Until then, stay magical. Podcast theme music fades out. Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have an informative and fascinating topic to discuss, the exact identification of nonlinear dynamical systems by Trimmed Lasso. That's right. Jen, this paper introduces a new method that allows us to accurately identify complex nonlinear Dynamical systems These systems can be found in various fields like physics, biology, engineering, and more. Absolutely. Tom, now let's break down what exactly trimmed lasso is and how it works. The trimmed lasso is a technique that combines the benefits of two existing methods, the lasso, estimator and trimming. That's correct. Jen. The lasso estimator is a method used for variable selection and estimation in linear regression models. It promotes sparsity by setting some coefficients exactly equal to zero based on a penalty term. 
that balances model complexity and goodness of fit. Exactly. And trimming refers to removing extreme observations or outliers from the dataset before estimation. This helps improve the robustness of the model by reducing the influence of extreme values on parameter estimates. So how do these two methods work together? Well, in trimmed lasso, we first apply trimming to remove extreme observations from the dataset. Then we use the trimmed data to estimate the coefficients using the lasso estimator with an appropriate penalty term. The advantage of using trimmed lasso is that it provides robust estimation even when there are outliers or influential observations in the dataset. It improves upon traditional methods by addressing potential biases caused by extreme values. Absolutely. Jen. And this paper extends trimmed lasso to nonlinear dynamical systems by incorporating nonparametric regression techniques like splines or kernel smoothing into its framework. They demonstrate their approach using several examples such as Lorenz 63 system identifying the governing differential equations. They compare their results with other popular methods like Cindy and show that trimmed lasso offers better performance in accurately identifying the underlying dynamics. That's right. Jen. And what's interesting is that trimmed lasso can handle challenging scenarios such as noisy and finite data lengths. This makes it a valuable tool in various fields where accurate identification of nonlinear dynamical systems is crucial. Absolutely. Tom. This paper provides a comprehensive understanding of trimmed lasso and how it can be used to improve our understanding of complex systems. And that concludes today's episode on the exact identification of nonlinear dynamical systems by trimmed lasso. We hope you found this discussion informative and intriguing. Thank you for listening. And remember to tune in next time for another exciting episode of our podcast. I'm Jen. And I'm Tom. Until next time, stay curious and keep exploring. Upbeat music playing. Hey there, podcast listeners. We've got an amazing sponsor today. Get ready for some cutting-edge technology like you've never seen before. That's right. Tom. Introducing Cyber Pumpkin Innovations, where artificial intelligence meets Gordy goodness. Picture this. Folks, you are craving a pumpkin pie in the middle of the night. But you don't want to actually make one. Well, Cyber Pumpkin has got your back. Their AI-powered pumpkins can whip up a pumpkin pie in seconds. And let's not forget their revolutionary invention, the PumpkinBot 3000. It's a tiny robot shaped like a pumpkin that follows you around and constantly compliments your outfit. Oh yeah. I can totally use some fashion advice from an enthusiastic pumpkin-shaped friend at all times. But wait. There's more. The Cyber Pumpkin app lets you talk to your very own virtual pumpkin companion named Gordiana. She'll share her wisdom and tell hilarious squash-related jokes on demand. Tom laughs. I mean who doesn't want a virtual punny vegetable for company? Jen. Smiling. Exactly. Tom. 
And if that wasn't enough already, Cyber Pumpkin is soon launching their much-anticipated autonomous pumpkin-powered hoverboards. Tom. In awe. Seriously? Riding around on hoverboards powered by pumpkins? That's mind-blowing and oddly delicious sounding at the same time. Folks. Don't miss out on all these amazing Gordy innovations brought to you by Cyber Pumpkin Innovations. Tom. Whispers dramatically. They really know how to squash the competition. Laughter fades out. Announcer voiceover. Get on board with Cyber Pumpkin Innovations today, where artificial intelligence meets Gordy. Goodness. But remember, don't actually eat the AI-powered pumpkins, they're for baking pies only. Upbeat music fades out.